with the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good afternoon, good evening, YWells, wherever in the world you are today. Um, as always, it's it's an incredible experience that I have that I get to meet with all the kind of preeminent entrepreneurs um, and business owners of, of Web3 all around the planet. Uh, time zones is the one thing that we, we struggle with. Um, and in regardless of time zones, I have easily the most connected, the busiest Web3 entrepreneur on the planet here with me today, Avery. Um, and generally, we spend some time on kind of background story and, and who, who, who they are and where they came from. Um, but Avery, because because she is the busiest uh, person, uh, irregardless of, of anything else around her uh, in Web3, I think that you have brought more major brands uh, to this asset class than anyone else. Um, you are the president of Vayner3, which is the newly launched uh, or renamed, I should say. You've been around for a while. Uh, Vayner kind of, you know, consulting uh, implementation uh, arm. Um, but but can I get just a, a quick elevator pitch out of, out of you just so everyone's on the same page of exactly uh, what your purview is? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jay. And thank you, YWells, for tuning in. I'm Avery Akinini, and I have the great honor of leading Vayner3. Vayner3 is a Web3 consulting firm under the VaynerX umbrella. We dove right into the rabbit hole of NFTs in early 2021. And since then, I've helped um, you know over a dozen major Fortune 500 companies figure out uh, what the heck is going on in all things Web3. So everything from helping our partners be able to take crypto for the first time, launch their first NFT communities, get their discords off the ground, and start to think how blockchain is really going to impact their industries. That's all in today's work for Vayner. Um, we are headquartered in New York, Miami, and Chicago, um, and soon starting to spread our wings around the world as, as this industry really starts to um, get its feet under it. You really have to have, like, it's it's really true. You have to have boots on the ground in these time zones because, you know, you, crypto never sleeps. We hear it all the time and it's it's kind of ongoing. Um, you have a very interesting background. And I think that's always one of the things that people should understand is no one just kind of shows up here in, uh, in Web3 and is ultra successful, you know, without any kind of past experience. And you have, um, you know, big data. Like you understand, you know, the marketing flows from big data. You you come from, you know, you, you spend a little bit of time with Google and a variety of other, uh, the big tech names that people understand. What was kind of your biggest, you know, things that you brought from that, you know, I hate to, you know, they're, they're tech, they're startups, yeah. they're, you know, they're, they're bleeding edge, but they're established at this point compared to Web3, which is truly, truly bleeding edge, meaning we're changing the, the rules of the game every few weeks here. What was the biggest kind of warnings that you brought with you from an established tech uh, company to, to startup land like this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned I worked at Google and I worked there for seven years. But when I joined Google um, in 2012, it was already, had already been a publicly traded company for several years. So it was a lot more established than what we're doing um, in the world of Web3. And I think there are a couple of things that I was able to take from my previous experience. But the most important was really the understanding of how to how a mature operation um, is organized. I think operations are actually one of the most challenging things for entrepreneurs and for startups is really understanding how to structure your team and how to go not just from zero to one, but one to 100. And I think on seeing how, you know, Google did things like performance reviews and um, employee feedback and 
um, thinking through perks and all of that really helped me um, understand how a big company operates and then modify that at a much smaller scale. So actually when I joined Vayner, like I brought a lot of the best practices I learned from like the people operations team and um, the operations team just in general. And we were able to create some efficiencies um, like right off the bat. And that's something that I, you know, use all the time. I still sort of use the framework for like how Google gives feedback and talks about performance reviews, because I think it's so important. And in a very small company and startup, you don't have the luxury to invest in those things the same way that a very big company does, you know, to the level of researching and, um, you know, studying thousands of people and also looking at a much, much, much larger sample size. So that's honestly the most important thing. And I think secondary to that, um, understanding how uh, Web2 works very deeply is helpful for understanding the um, strengths of that and also the pitfalls. I think what we've saw, what we've seen over the last two decades is just a tremendous amount of access to information, which I think has been powered by companies like Google and Meta, um, but they've also accrued the outsized economic benefit of that. Um, and there's a reason they're called the duopoly. So understanding both what those companies unlocked and then also some of the shortcomings um, in how Web2, uh, how the Web2 economy was really built, I think has been very helpful for understanding where there's an opportunity to, to do things a little bit differently in this go around in this next iteration of the internet, which is Web3. Yeah, you know, and I and I love that answer and and that explanation because, irregardless of where people are thinking, oh, Web three is so different, we're such a different asset class. There's still business basics that you have to have, Absolutely. and there's there's still a lot of like ingrained you know culture and everything else that really needs to be uh, thought through Absolutely. from a variety of perspectives to make to make sure that you know a, a startup, irregardless of what asset class, whether it's ag tech, fintech, uh, or, or blockchain tech, you know, really you you kind of have to be able to to build your culture. You have to be able to grow your brand and, and protect your brand um, from a variety. Of, of, of kind of, you know, assets. Um, when, when you're kind of thinking about, uh, you know, web, web three and, and the brand that you guys have built, um, and very quickly too, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where, where it took Google, you know, a decade to, to get to where they, you know, to where you kind of showed up in, in 2012. Um, but, but now Vayner three, I mean, in, in three years, you guys are like, I, I talk to you know a dozen people a day, and they're like, "Well, you know, I can I can just call over to Vayner Three, but they're too busy." Um, you guys have expanded and grown so fast, and I think there's one of the biggest challenges that I, I'm curious about from your perspective is where's all the other people that are normally doing all the Web Two stuff? Have they just they don't get Web Two and Web Three are so different? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you kind of find yourself standing on an island, um, you know, a little bit with with not as much competition as you, as most people would think you have today? Yeah, well, uh, I think broadly. One really important reason that we've been able to scale is being part of the VaynerX family. So VaynerX, um, you know, VaynerMedia launched in 2010. Gary and his brother AJ launched this advertising agency, and they've really done the hard work of establishing Vayner as a household name with a lot of Fortune 500 companies, which allow those doors to be very quickly opened. So I think that's part one. And, and as part of VaynerX, we have almost 2,000 employees all across the globe. So oh, wow. we have some scale and learnings um, that can really help things move more quickly. So while we might be an island in Web3, I like to think we're you know, on an, on an uh, archipelago, if you will, um, of other islands that are also doing cool things. And we're all very close to each other. So we have you know, a lot of perks and, and sort of uh, access that we can offer each other from the sort of mothership, which is VaynerMedia, the advertising agency is is really the core business um, within Vayner. We have V Friends, which is Gary's NFT project. Um, they just raised uh, fifty million dollars, led by uh, Andreessen Horowitz, which is pretty amazing. And we collaborate with them really closely all the time. We've got Vayner Speakers, where we have a number of Web three speakers. We have 
um, Vayner Sports with a number of athletes and that's AJ's company and, and he's got um, an NFT project as well. So while we're an island, we're really part of this little group together and we can help each other while sort of maintaining our independence as sort of individual businesses. And I think that allows us to scale really quickly. Um, and of course, we I would be completely remiss if I um, discounted the tremendous value that Gary uh, is able to drive with himself as an influencer and thought leader um, and also as a creator. So a lot of the things that you know we roll out to our clients at Vayner3, we really start testing with Gary. There, you know, every platform that we test, we use Gary first as much as we can. So we really get hands-on with it. And we're like, okay, great, this is what works, this is what doesn't. And having that use case in-house is just this tremendous advantage. But to the flip side, and I know you have many entrepreneurs listening to this, I think there's a huge opportunity for services-based companies to jump in here. You're right that there is not that much competition for Web3 consulting firms at the moment because it's so new. But what I see is a very clear trend is every brand wants to know what's going on in this space. And there are a million companies building technology for it. But there's a big gap between brands who know how to you know, make soda or beer or shoes and these tech companies who might understand how to develop an interesting blockchain-based application. But the idea of like how those two things come together is actually critical. So that's creative and that's strategy. And there are, um, the tech companies aren't great at providing that and the brands really need that help. So I think there's actually a really interesting opportunity for people to create specialized agencies, the same way people create a specialized search and social agencies, e-com agencies, which now are part of these larger um, holding companies. But I think that's a, a pretty clear opportunity because we see the very big boys playing in the space, the Accentures and Deloitte's and McKinsey's and Bain's. And we see the ad agencies, but they don't really understand the technology side. They're also trying to get in the publicist groups and the media monks and all of these folks. Um, and then in the, then on our own little island, I think I like to think about it as a category of our own, we have Vayner, which kind of sits between all of them. Um, but I think there's a huge opportunity there for entrepreneurs to think about launching agencies or think about launching sort of uh, as channel partners. When I worked at Google, um, there were so many agencies that their entire business was based on Google. They knew it's same exact sort of challenge. Google had created this incredibly powerful technology with uh, Google AdWords and um, which is basically the search platform. And then brands wanted to use it, but again, they needed someone in the middle to know how to design campaigns and how to do ad group optimization and how to um, adjust bids. So there were these companies that sort of sprung up and were really able to be channel partners for Google and specialize in that service. Same thing happened with Facebook. When you look at you know, the social codes and the decodeds, they created a business just on really understanding Facebook ads because Facebook wants to go sell the technology to the brands and the brands want to do it, but they need that creative thinking and they need the both media and, and sort of creative side to actually be in the middle and, and make it effective. It's like if I went to go play a piano, like I wouldn't be good at it. I, it's not because the piano is bad. It's because my skills are bad, right? <laughs> um, same piano, you have uh, John Legend go and it sounds amazing, right? It's all in that sort of services layer. So I do think there's an interesting business opportunity here um, for, for folks who are into this space to be that bridge um, between brands and um, these technology pl platforms who are, are springing up constantly um, with the desire to sort of serve brands in Web3 and, and particularly the NFT space.
Yeah, no, and I love that explanation of thought. And when we talk about decentralized, you know, internet and, and you know, decentralized Web3, um, one of the things I want to say, and, and Vayner especially, is you guys are so welcoming of, of anyone. Like, you know, it, it really harks back to the early days of Web1, um, much more than Web2, where everyone's just going, how do we figure this out? We need to make this a thing. Um, and it's better for all of us to work together and make sure we're driving in the right direction uh, versus what you have in traditional tech companies today, which is, you know, dark siloed, um, you know, stealth projects that nobody knows about until the very end. And then, you know, the code is hitting and everything else. Um, you know, you, we, I, I get reached out to constantly, uh, you know, by people saying, Hey, we want, we love what you're doing. How can we help? Um, and, you know, vice versa, that's exactly what we're doing. Vayner doesn't need our help, but we love just exposing what you guys are doing to our communities and others. Um, because I think that the way that you, you look at the entire asset class is we're so early. <laughs> We're so so early, and there's so much meat left on this bone that we have to even, we haven't even thought of uh, before we get there. How early do you think we are in in the cycle towards you know the first billion users, which would I, I would consider mainstream adoption by that point? Oh, uh, I think you know depending on who you ask, we have under a million users in this space right now. So oh, yeah, uh, I, uh, it's depending on who you ask. It could be five hundred thousand. It could be seven million. I, you know, everybody has data. Um, that supports their argument. But I think we are very, very early. We're very much in the first inning of this game. I think we saw um, just over the past 18 months, such a hot hype cycle, which really put, um, and I'm thankful for that hype cycle in that it brought mainstream eyes to what's happening. And there was enough newsworthiness just because of the prices. There were so headline grabby that um, it really got a lot of big um, players interested, both on the talent side and on the brand side. They're like, what's happening here? Made them pay attention. But I think the, there's also the practicality of it still is incredibly early. Um, and we haven't yet seen, um, with the exception of, of NBA Top Shot, um, anything that's really crossed into appealing to millions of people um, at once. Um, and, uh, you know, in marketing, we talk a lot about this, like technology adoption curve, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I think we're still in innovator camp. Some people are like, we're an early adopter. To me, I think we're innovators you've got this really small group of people who are super passionate. They're really super fans. Like they'll grind in the discord and they'll jump through coops to get X, Y, Z and they'll stake and they'll everything. That's not going to be how normal users like operate um, in the world of web three. Um, but we have a, this dedicated um, community of super fans and our perspective at Vayner is these super fans actually influence the mainstream adoption. They become the tastemakers that help scale this into the broader ecosystem. And you have this, like everything starts in these small communities, like culture begins in sub communities and subgroups. And I think that there's enough passion in these, this subgroup to create mainstream consciousness of that this is happening. Even the fact that, you know, someone like you, Jay, is taking the time to do this podcast um, means that, hey, there's enough interest here to, um, that it's worth looking into. But my perspective is we are very, very early and it will be probably like five to 10 years before this is, we're near a billion users. I, I completely agree. And, and, you know, MBA Top Shots, I think is a fabulous example of a demo of the technology, but there's no utility. There's no, you know, long-term viability for, for those people yet. Um, and so I, you know, it's kind of, you know, and, and people don't even always understand what they bought. Um, my, my question to you is, and, and I think this is kind of an over, overarching one, you have some of the top brands in the, in, in any industry. I mean, we're talking, you know, L'Oreal and, and, uh, you know, P&G, Budweiser, Ford, like, like household, um, you know, fortune 50 brands that, that you guys work with. What's the biggest misconception that you're constantly still dealing with? Um, even today when, when these brands kind of approach you guys. 
Um, I think the biggest misconception uh, is that it's all financial. Um, right now, because of what we see in mainstream headlines um, and the sort of blurring between the crypto ecosystem and the um, NFT ecosystem, which ha- were very are very interlinked, um, is that it's like all financial, um, where we believe that the technology is more fundamental um, and something that will be uh, underpinning a number of creative, community, um, you know, brand activations and executions. But I think the biggest misconception is, hey, this is a way to make money. And yes, by the way, it is a way to make money if you do it the right way and you design the right campaign um, and you design the right way to engage and reward your community. There absolutely is like financial opportunity and and incentive for these early um, participants, I'll say. Um, but I think the biggest misconception is that this is purely financial. Um, and what we are, what you'll see coming out of Vayner in the next couple of months is a lot of programs that are free, are open access, are really meant to be more sort of um, building that early community without these financial incentives, which I also think um, does preclude a lot of the more mainstream people from participating. Because if you ask someone in Web3 to spend, you know, 0.1 ETH, they think it's nothing, but you ask like a normal person, they're like, oh, that's $200. Like, that's a lot of money. Um, they were like, I thought that would be $2. Um, so the, I think the scale is is a little bit different from those mindsets, um, just in terms of financial, though that's kind of evened out in the last couple of weeks. No, and, and it really, again, I, I think that's a great answer, and I, I completely agree with you, because one of the things that is that if we're going to be on, onboarding, you know, a, a billion people, and that's that's the goal. I mean, we want to get to mainstream. We're, we're all doing this um, so we can get there. Um, and right now, you know, the costs are very expensive. The de- there's no devs. I mean, I, I think that if there's any devs available, you guys have them. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and and any that are coming up through school, you guys are, have already got them. So when we talk about, you know, getting to mainstream, it's got to get to the point where it's like anyone can create a Facebook account, anyone can yeah. create a Twitter account. And, and, and from there, you know, the on-chain monetization of, of people's audience. And I think that's the biggest thing is that, you know, ability to own your identity um, is, is truly one of the, the biggest, you know, web three things that, that we're going to see, of, of course, and you got, you do this every single day. If, if I can just get you to take a step back and, and let's pretend we have kind of that billion users on here. We've, we've reached mainstream. It's five plus years from now. How, how does that look? And I know this is a very broad question, mm-hmm. but you know, how does, how does a, a Gen Zer who's, you know, just graduated college, you know, how are they, how is their life going to be different by just everyday web three technologies? I think that by the time we have a billion users, it will be invisible. They'll simply be operating with their digital wallets um, without necessarily understanding all of the technology that goes behind it. I'll use the example of like your um, Apple wallet, right? Uh, I don't know if you have an iPhone, but anyone who has an iPhone, like it's just right there. Everyone takes, I live in Miami, everyone takes Apple Pay. But that also took several years, right? Like when their product first came out, people were still preferring to pay with their credit card. Not every um, POS terminal took Apple Pay, like there was this sort of like build that actually got there. I mean, not so long ago and and in parts of the world um, where some of your listeners are based, like I just moved back from Singapore recently and um, Singapore is super like digital friendly, but that's not the case for all markets. Like if you even look at somewhere like Japan, it's a very cash heavy market. Um, So this idea of moving to that place so quickly uh, is, is a really interesting use case. I think that where we'll go with Web3 is it'll be invisible. It'll just be like, hey, this is my identity. Let's say I'm going to get a get a shot at the doctor, right? Like maybe I'm tapping my phone. I personally have access to that, but I can tap it. I can then own, um, you know, the sort of records and have those uh, 
changed immediately and, and I'm in control of that. And then I can make that interoperable with other healthcare systems. I think it will be that just sort of super easy, super like underneath the hood kind of thing where like, yes, we are going to have some super nerds who look, know exactly how it works. But I think about myself and understanding Apple Pay, I do not get it. I get my tap my phone, it makes a little sound and I know that it rang up, right? And I can see the receipt in my phone. I think it'll be like that, just invisible and ubiquitous. And I completely agree. Nobody today, when they're going onto any website, is going, oh, where, where is this hosted? Is this on S3 or Azure? Oh, you know, what, what, what's your TCP IP connection baud rate? I mean, like, we're, we're geeks and we're nerding out at this stuff. And we're, but that's how early we are. I mean, I remember having sticky notes on the side of my monitor from pre, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of, you had to type in the IP address of servers. Um, I, in fact, I even remember when you had to dial into modems um, to get into different different servers. So, I mean, I think we're really along the lines there because we still don't have the bridges. We and we definitely do not have the wallets. And I know you guys are working on on that quite a bit uh, at Vayner because security has to be. It can't be something that people are saying, "Hey, I'm going to go from this traditional system to this extremely volatile and extremely risky system over here." What's kind of the you know outside of you know wallets and bridges, which is something I always talk about. What's kind of the biggest hurdles that we need to, as an industry and an asset class, focus on to fix? Yeah, wallets and bridges are two very important ones. Uh, security is another really important one. Um, and then I think that on the more sort of marketing side of things, um, it's about demand. Um, people need to actually want this stuff. Right now, um, there are certain uh, projects that are, are certain like initiatives that are like very clear use case. The vast majority of people simply don't see the value in a digital asset because the, the web two alternative is still better and more convenient. And um, there hasn't, of course, this is how everything starts. I think back to like, even like 10 years ago in e-com, it was like, I'll just go to the mattress store. Why would I order this online? Because I can't try it. It's more convenient to go to the mattress store. Now you just one click, it's at your house in two days. That has been, that, you know, experience has been improved. Um, so I would sort of bucket that into like user experience, like the UX needs to improve um, dramatically and there needs to be enough reason for people to want one of these things beyond just financial speculation. It's like, hey, I want this because it's an actually better alternative to my like carrying around my vaccine card and my wallet on a piece of paper, right? Um, it needs to be something that uh, actually creates demand. Um, and I think that'll actually be driven brands and, and um, sort of entertainment properties have this unique ability to galvanize fandom. Um, and I think that we'll see some of these players really drive some of the early like desire um, into the world of Web3, whether that's across gaming, across um, major IP properties that are designing new experiences that are exclusively available, um, or, uh, you know, celebrity sort of fandom. Um, I think those are the places where we, we could really see like a mainstream draw of desirability. Yeah, and 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 I, and I mean, I really love that because we have to we have to be better as an asset class, and you know, education is one of the biggest things. What what's some of the things that that Vayner really focuses on on how to educate the mainstreams um, on on proper use and and adoption of of Web three technologies? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Jay, and I think our um, strategies kind of pivoted over the last eighteen months. Where we were like 18 months ago was really around sort of individually hand-to-hand -hand combat onboarding people um, into the sort of true world of Web3. If you look at even like vFriends YouTube, we're talking like these sessions hosted by May where she's one-on-one -on -one explaining things to people, explaining them how to get a ledger. It was really like hand-to-hand -hand combat. And I think that got us a critical mass to sort of get the vFriends project um, 
off the ground um, because a lot of the people uh, who the VFRENC was onboarding, this was their first NFT. This was their first experience with crypto. They were really doing this um, as part of their uh, association with Gary's brand and the value that he's delivered to them over the past decade plus. Um, so that was kind of like the hand-to-hand combat stage. Then we sort of scaled that into also hand-to-hand combat with marketers and brand leaders. So they understood it themselves, was individually onboarding people. Um, of course, we designed a lot of content, um, which lives on different websites from BeFriends to 137pm to Vayner3.com, you know, the 10 steps to get your first NFT, all of these kind of guides, um, executives guide to NFTs. We created this type of more scaled content. And where we're sort of pivoting now um, is actually into things that are more simple, is creating easier paths, because I think we see there's still so much friction. And now having onboarded thousands of people, um, there's still a lot of friction. And it is heartbreaking to hear when people, you get help them get their first thing and they click on a bad link in Discord and they're like, okay, that you know this is now gone. And you just feel so awful about it. I think we are now focusing on trying to... Um, like experiment with properties that require a little bit less friction as people's first entry point. Gotcha. Um, so if you look at, for example, VFriend Series 2, you could buy with a credit card. You look at some of the programs we're doing right now with Bud Light and Dapper Labs, all credit card, custodial wallet. Um, we just did a uh, program that launched last week with BlockBar, same thing, custodial wallet option, um, credit card option. We are looking now to, uh, there was the hand-to-hand combat, the scaled era, and now we're in the simplify era of looking for pathways that um, just reduce the barrier and also reduce the risk for, for consumers because we have seen just so many um, sort of scam situations. Yeah, and, and I think that when we think about you know self-custody, that's not something that that our society is used to in any way, shape, no. or form. I mean, it, it's it's um, you know, there's always someone else responsible. The majority of our, our society uses credit cards. And if someone steals our credit card number, we call the number and go, it wasn't me. And it gets reversed and you, you move on your way. Um, and, and we're just not used to the fact that it is permanent. Um, and I, I deal with the same thing. I deal with these, these, these people that, you know, got into it. They learned, they took the class and, and they're super excited and they get, they get their few things. And then like, uh, you know, weeks or months or whatever it is later, I hear back from them. They're like, um, Think my things are gone. What happened? I go. Well, what do you mean it's gone? Yeah. And and so you go through that. And I, I love that you guys are working so hard on there. Um, pivoting over to another question, and Avery, I apologize. You you, you gave me a shorter amount of time, so I'm going to rapid fire all yeah, my please. questions. That get you, and you're 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 amazing at this. Um, so we saw kind of the year of the ICOs, and mm-hmm. you know that was that was the first bull rush, kind of really pushed on. Like, oh my God, you can make any coin, and it was a bunch of garbage technology that that didn't go anywhere, but it, it brought people into the asset class that that then developed, you know, the next phase. Um, and this last bull rush, I don't think it was led by NFTs, but it was certainly NFTs were one of the headlines. Um, you guys are huge in NFTs. You guys are you know leading the uh, the charge in different protocols around how NFTs are used, and I think that uh, I applaud you know everyone in your in your staff and your team for for pushing on utility um, behind the NFTs and not just kind of you know JPEGs for the sake of JPEGs. Where do you think the next? Um, where are you guys focusing on, or, or you think the next bull run when it comes is going to be kind of highlighted around of of any, the new existing technologies that I think we're all playing with right now? Uh, a couple of things. So we actually have a few areas where we think that, like, you know, no one has a crystal ball. And I'll, I'll start off by saying that. Um, but we think there are a couple of things that can be really interesting. In the immediate term, there's a few places that you're going to see us do more. Ticketing being a big one. Um, that's a place where we think there's a very immediate use case. Um, loyalty, another very immediate use case. Um, 
sort of this this digital twin idea and sort of digital fashion is another digital items, I should say, is another place that we think there's like an immediate opportunity that we can capitalize on. Where I think that the sort of next bull run will come in um, is broader access to crypto, um, like sort of more mainstream usages of crypto. We see little small things and some of our clients are also participating and playing in this space. It's still very, very small in the United States. Um, I think that could change and that could kind of catalyze the next run. Um, second thing is I think experiences that are exclusively available, like de- really desirable experiences, not like, um, you know, some of the things that we've seen over the past year, but things that like are really, really highly desirable, um, available exclusively through these things. And then the third piece I do think is interoperability. Um, um, consumers are going to drive this, right? If consumers are voting with their wallets and voting, um, that this is, an important place for them, then everybody else has to follow from a talent and entertainment um, to brands. Um, everybody's got to follow where the consumers are going. And I think that uh, creating experiences where the consumers actually get a uh, superior experience to what they're having now is what's going to catalyze that next bull run. I love that. You know, you, you brought up before, and one of the things I do appreciate about, you know, how you guys, uh, and again, when I see you guys, your entire organization assets, um, operates is community is, is a huge thing. You guys, uh, you know, kind of believe it, you, you push it with your, the brands that you're representing and you push it in, in and of yourselves on, on communities. What's your, what's your feelings on where DAOs are going to be heading? Um, cause it's, uh, to me, it's one of the most interesting technologies of how to connect people yeah. uh, around the planet. So I think DAOs were also a big part of the bull run and everyone was like, okay, you get governance access to this and that's amazing. And I actually, you know, had friends and acquaintances who turned their companies into DAOs. Um, I agree that DAOs are a really interesting organizational structure and, and some folks have done really interesting work of getting these set up properly. Shout out to Alex Tov and the upstream team for what they're building to make DAOs more accessible. Um, I do think though that with, uh, with some exceptions, Broadly, a lot of DAOs have incredibly low participation. As Americans, we can't even get people to vote for the president. Um, So voting for like these small decisions in a DAO, I think when people are paying a ton of attention because they're making a lot of money during bull market, they're active. And then what we've seen over the last few months is that's really tapered off, Um, of course, with a few notable exceptions who've been able to really leverage this technology to build a meaningful brand. Um, just seeing how many DAOs sort of like were created and nobody's voting. And there are all these, back to the earlier point around organization, um, how do you fire someone who works at a DAO? There's all these questions that have yet to be answered. And um, I think that, you know, Vayner is not a DAO. We are a company, um, uh, you know, an owned company. And I think that that is actually important for the next sort of growth of our ecosystem. We haven't yet seen someone who can operate a fully decentralized team as a DAO because it's just very, very early. I'll, I'll take the challenge. <clears throat> we're working there very, we're, we're working very, very hard in this. Um, so, then you're so, gonna be the next one, Jay. But yeah, I, what, for, for us, I, and I, I would say there are folks like you guys, folks like now, and so there are companies who are doing um, really cool stuff in this space. It hasn't been a place that we've personally seen success yet. Yeah, I, and I agree. That's why we're not a DAO today. We're a traditional company, and we we look at DAO technology. But there's a lot that of the roadmap that has to be built technology wise um, before it truly, truly is ready. I mean, putting a bunch of coins on chain and saying go vote, <laughs> um, cool. Exactly. But we can we can do better. Um, my next my my next and kind of last one to wrap it up is is we're going to see the conversion of traditional Web two giants, yeah. um, Web one, Web two giants over to Web three technologies. Um, who's doing it well, and who's really uh, you know kind of dropping the ball. 
first I'll say that everyone's doing it, um, how well they're doing it. It's a bit of a question mark. Every single one of the big technology companies is actively investing in this space um, and looking into it very closely. I think it, one, provides them a potential additional touch point um, with consumers, a new thing they can do. But secondarily, it can be a very real threat to their business. Um, this is public information, but Snap just laid off 20% of their team like a week or two ago, and that included their entire Web3 team. So they're an example of, uh, you know, they're focusing on their core business, et cetera, et cetera. They're an example who's sort of pulled away from it. At the same time, we see folks like Meta very actively building the space and integrating um, token gates and NFTs within their sort of core technology. Same with uh, folks like Salesforce, folks like Shopify, very openly building this space. Um, and I think those who are doing it right are taking the, uh, are, are getting the counsel of the sort of early adopters and thinking about how they can make that more mainstream. I want to give those three organizations a shout out because they've actually intentionally partnered with Web3 leaders like Shopify, for example, worked, we were actually one of, I think their first uh, token gate use case. They also worked with the Doodles, they worked with the Atom Bomb Squad and others to sort of, uh, show that they're friendly. In fact, at one point, it even changed their profile picture to, I think, an um, Adam Bomb Squad, which was awesome um, on Twitter. So I love that they're really like leaning into it while looking at how they can actually bring this as an offering to their consumers. Second one I'll shout out is uh, Salesforce. Salesforce has this Web3 advisory board of which I will disclose I am a part of it. Um, they you know, have, have gotten amazing folks like Keith Grossman from Time and Maria from Sound Ventures, I'm an ApeCoin uh, to sort of advise them on how to roll this out um, with the ambition of bridging the early adopters in Web3 to the mass adoption uh, that's available through some of their partners. Um, and yeah, and, and Meta, some of like they brought on some early create, NFT creators, folks like Maliha from Women Rise, um, Gary, and, and many others as well to sort of uh, celebrate those artists getting um, their their assets available on Meta. So I'll give all those a shout out with the caveat that nobody's had a breakthrough yet. Um, everybody's been sort of pandering to this very small group, um, and it has not yet uh, had a breakthrough into mainstream that I've seen. Fabulous. And, and, and it's true. I think just anyone that's, th you just need to be thinking about the space. You need to at least have a web through roadmap. It's going to change 20 times before you implement it. Um, but that's huge. And so on that, on that same note, and kind of as my final question, what, what is the, you know, kind of one or two things that anyone that's an, an entrepreneur in the space or wanting to get into the space really should be thinking about, um, from a, uh, philosophical reason, not a technical reason, of, of how they should approach uh, investing um, into a project in the space? Investing in a project, I would really say like business fundamentals matter. Look at proven founders. Um, don't try to ride the hype cycle. The like FOMO memes are so real. Every like bad, everything I FOMO'd into like went to zero. So uh, personal experience, like don't just uh, business fundamentals really matter um, when you're investing in any type of an asset class, right? Including NFTs. So looking at people who've been around for a long time, who have had proven success and track record, that's something to maybe consider versus, hey, what's the next project trending on OpenSea? Um, I think that's, uh, that's probably true for how a lot of like your sort of investing community can think about it. And as entrepreneurs, think um, my real advice would be like, trust your gut and don't follow the trends. The trends come and go, like the evolution of Web3 happens in these cycles of micro adoption. Um, but if you're just trying to capitalize on one of them, you either need to move so incredibly fast to catch that trend 
or you're better off looking for like a real business use case that you see as someone who understands business. Um, I think that's a mistake I see a lot of people doing is they're jumping onto a trend like a month too late and you're like, oh, that's already sort of happened. Um, you, but you could set that, set the next trend if you've got the right idea. I love that. And you guys are setting all the trends and we just we quite simply follow along and, and see what you guys are doing every single day. And you're extremely active on social media. You're, you're at every conference. I, I don't know how you, you, uh, you manage it, Avery. It's, it's fascinating to watch you. Um, with that, like I said, uh, why Wells? This is this is Avery from Vayner Three. Again, probably the most active uh, entrepreneur in, in the Web Three asset class. And so, again, I would advise you to to follow her on LinkedIn, follow her on Twitter. Uh, Avery, anywhere else uh, you want people to kind of chase after you? No, just follow uh, Vayner Three V Friends, one thirty seven PM, um, and of course Gary V. If you want to hear everything that we are cooking, and Jay, thank you so much for your kind words and for having me today. Um, Why Wales? It has been a pleasure, and I hope to get the chance to connect with many of you all. Fabulous. Awesome. Avery, don't go anywhere. We're going to end up recording. Uh, Why Whales? We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks so much. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. Why Whales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.